Hey Rodney, did you know Slack's been a part of the Ready for as long as I have? You mean like back in the Bryant Park days? You know it. Even when there were only a couple of us working out of a cafe in Midtown, Slack is where we came together to tackle the future of work. Over eight years later, we're fully decentralized across eight time zones, and we still do it all with Slack. That's right, because it's the AI-powered platform for growing your business, keeping your teams connected, and making work legitimately simpler. Now you can get up to speed on a new project with one-click summaries or find exactly what you need, when you need it, with an AI-supercharged search function. It makes your day-to-day easier and gives you the freedom to focus on what really matters, your future. Grow your business without the grind in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. It probably was when Ed and I traveled for a full year to just get in the mindset of like, no one is keeping score on my vacation. Like, I'm not going to come back. First of all, no one wants to hear about your vacation, so who cares? Second of all, no one is going to be like, how much did you see when you were in Kuala Lumpur. No one cares. (laughs) Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. This is Brave New Work, a podcast about reinventing our organizations and the search for a more adaptive and human way of working. I'm Rodney Evans, and I'm joined by my vacationing co-host, Aaron Dignan. Hey, hey, hey. On today's episode, we are going to talk about nothing. It's going to be like that Seinfeld pitch. Uh, We're going to talk about space and vacation and nothingness in general. But first, we're going to do a check-in round. Great. And I guess I will, I'll pitch the check-in today, even though you came up with it, which is kind of a meta check-in question. And I actually like it. I want to maybe create a whole class of these for, for work meetings. What's one question you hate being asked? I hate so being asked so many things. <laughs> I hate being asked to tell me a little bit about yourself as a question. Yes. And I hate being asked what I do for a living. Oh my God. There you go. So much. Ask me and about literally anything else. So that's funny. You don't want to be asked about what you do for a living. Because no. why? What's the like? Both of those questions I hate because I have a really hard time giving a 10 second answer answer, that is satisfactory. I'm very happy to talk about myself or about what I do in longer form, Yes, but I have a hard time with the cocktail party version of like, you know, we've just met. Tell me about you. I'm like, ugh, I don't know, man. What? I don't know. That's funny. I, I I sort of feel the same way in some places and parties and then not in others. Like it depends on whether I think the combo I'm about to get into is going to be good or like really mm. surface level or yeah. like really explainy. I definitely don't want to I don't want to be explaining what I do to people that are like I have no idea what you're talking <laughs> like, about. Like I don't, I was being polite. I yeah. don't actually care. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like at a family reunion or something it's like no, just kill me. Um <laughs> Okay, so for me, I would say it rises to the level of hate, but it's the first question that came to mind for me that is annoying for me. And it is also a little bit meta, which is, can I ask you a question? <gasps> Why do you hate that? Because you've already wasted I one. I think I ask you that. You know, you've already wasted one. Like uh. just a- if we have a relationship where we ever talk, then assume that you can ask me a question and assume that I'm so, so excited to answer it. Like, it just feels like this, it feels like this nothing burger of a question. Like, can I ask you a question? Has anyone ever been like, no, fuck you. (laughs) It's just not. 
it's 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 like politeness it's the same reason i hate like thank you notes you know like it's all part of never gonna convince me on the thank you i know but it's all part of like a kind of a southern hospitality like manners as performance you know i it's not for me anyway it's okay but i just i would prefer if someone just asked me i'm fine i will never ask you again if i can ask you something I just feel like it's okay. You know what? I'm not gonna. It's your answer to a checking question. There I, will be I don't no hate it. Talk. It's just slightly annoying. That's all. You said you hated it, and now all of our listeners know. No take. Don't backs. ask Aaron if you can ask him something. Just ask him. Just ask. All right. Okay. So so today's topic is we're calling it the, the show where we talk about nothing. But really, when we say nothing, <laughs> what we mean is vacations, breaks, taking space in self management. And the reason that's on our minds is, of course, because we have both been either just wrapped up or in the process of taking breaks, long overdue breaks. And so I want to start by asking you, what you been doing? What you up to? What you been up to? And last week when you were at work. Yes. Was last week a short week? No, this week was a short week. That's God, right. I'm really re-entry. I know. You're still, it's a slow great. re-entry. Anyway, we barely saw each other last week. Yes. So I feel like this is the first time I've even talked to you about what we've been doing, either of us, in like that's right. six weeks or something. That's right. I got the occasional text from you, but that's about it. Yeah. Wild. Um, What have I been doing? So I took off the entire month of August. So sweet. It was so sweet. Um, and it was perfect. It was a perfect month. I spent the entire month at the lake. The only time I came back to Durham was to get Allie, our teammate who visited us. Is that right? You were just literally out there wall to wall? Yeah, wall to wall. Wow. I said that I was going to come back like once a week and I didn't. I also barely left the house because there's nothing to do up there. Right. Yeah. It's, there's not like a, you know, there's not like a cool town with a gallery, you know, there's not, there's <laughs> 10 not minutes like that. To the Whole like, Foods. Yeah. I went to the, <laughs> I went to the grocery store once and I went to a movie once. And Whoa, other than a that, movie. I was at the house and I did lots of things. I mean, I only really had one goal, as you know, for my entire month, which was to learn how to swim like a grown up. This is what and I got texted about. I folks. was very serious about it. I know I needed validation from you. I was like, look, <laughs> look where I swim, Aaron. Look at how far it is. It's way farther than I can swim. It's really, it's really hard. I want to talk more about it because it was the hardest thing I've ever tried to learn mm. as a person. And I am a person who teaches something. myself how to do new shit all the time. Like I'm like, you know, during the pandemic, I taught myself like to play the piano, read palms and do one other thing. (laughs) Anyway, it was so hard. So I swam all the time. I read a ton of books. Mm. I spent a lot of time on a paddleboard. And it was kind of like on the weekends, I think every weekend that I was there, I think one weekend it was just me and Ed and all the other, the other like four weekends, there were people there. Yeah. And then on the weeks, really Monday or Tuesday through like Thursday or Friday, I was by myself. And it wasn't exactly supposed to be that way, but I kind of ended up like waving some people off, including my (laughs) husband, who I love very much, because I just really wanted to be alone, like fully alone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when I say alone, like I was not returning calls or text messages. I was like, I don't want to talk to people. I'm talking to my dogs and myself, and that's it. Right, and the dogs and can't that talk was back. Gone. 
And then on the weekends, people would come and we would party and hang out and have amazing four-hour dinners and do all of the things. And then they would leave and I would be alone again and mm. very happy. Nice. That's what I've been doing. That was my That's month. That's cool. And now you're fresh back on the scene. Yeah. One week in. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, a little longer than that. Feels like it never happened, honestly. Why is that with vacations? It's like I was gone for a month. I've been gone. I've been back for, you know, nine days. Nine days I'm like, or something. Did it? Did that even ever happen? Yeah. Well, because it's full of nothingness. There's nothing to anchor to. I suppose. Um, what have you been right. doing? Well, we'll talk about the comeback in a second. I've had a, a different kind of a break, mm-hmm. but 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 equally interesting. I've been trying to get away. First of all, I guess the context for my break is that I have not taken like a full week off in a long time, probably years. You told me since Huxley was born. Yeah, basically. That's how and old is Hux? He's nine. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I just wanted everyone to have the full picture. Yeah. And I guess that like there have been, you know, we do take time off at the end of the year for the holiday. The company does. So like I've had those periods. Um, but no, like during the action breaks of like 10 days or two weeks or anything like that have happened. And and mainly it's just because I, we've talked about this on our therapy episode, but I start too many things and then it becomes really hard to claw away. And so with, with the ready lately, we've been working on like what's next for the ready. And then with murmur, it was all about the fundraise, which y'all will probably hear about soon if you haven't heard about it yet. Um, and so I, like until everything was kind of done, I felt like I couldn't step away. Finally, it all got to a place where I was like, I think I can step away. So I took, I took a, what turned out to be 10 days, technically, if you include weekends off. Uh, we started with a family trip. We had to go up to see the Lady Dignan's mother and stepdad. So we took Hux up there to Michigan, to Lake Muskegon, and basically did nothing, like hung around on the beach of Lake Michigan and had ice cream and cooked at home and hung out in their pool. And so that was fairly casual, but not alone to your point, like pretty, pretty together. And I ate terribly. I, I, this was like the gluttonous part of the vacation. It was just like, whatever it is that I want, I'm going to have whenever I want. And then got back on Sunday and was like, okay, that's that. Now this is the chapter of my vacation. It's all about me. Mm-hmm. And so basically from Monday through next weekend, I have been doing nothing but what I want to do when I want to do it. I've been sleeping in. I've been going to bed early. I have eaten like a Spartan soldier. Like everything I'm eating is just like super pure protein, organic, no carbs, no nothing, like very keto, very, very healthy. And I have been focusing mostly on my health. So I've been like going to the physical therapist for my shoulder that was injured, getting that all, getting like dry needled, which Mm -hmm. is wild where they're running electricity through my muscles and making them spasm. And I'm paying someone to do this to me. Yeah, that thing is not that comfortable. It's very bizarre. I'm just like, I'm paying for this a lot. (laughs) So... So I've been doing that and watching a lot of shows that I've been meaning to catch up on and playing some games as a callback to our episode about gaming and music, but mostly doing nothing and occasional periods of staring off into the distance for an Yay. hour. I've even napped, Rodney. I've taken what? like four naps That's in this vacation, like hour long plus naps. And That's Britt is like, where's so my husband? Tired. And what did you do with him? You were tired. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, that's so I'm still in it. I still have 
three more days. You have lots of days left. And the fun of it is, I was talking to Britt about reentry. I don't do well with the go away part or the comeback part. Like two mm-hmm. days of both of those, I'm just miserable because I'm in the old mode and trying to get into the new mode. But what's really fun is I travel on the Monday after this break to go do a speech and then you and I get to hang out and have a board meeting. Yeah. And so it's going to be like this really slow burn, like fun kickback. I did that for in January. Yeah. I came back from wherever we were for the New Year's. <laughs> I don't remember. Some island? Probably. And I got sober. No, I'm just, and then I went to that, <laughs> on the plane to your house. No. And the first thing that I did the first week back was you and I met for a couple of days. And it yeah. was so nice. Yes. To not it's just like, be like, dive back into all of the day to day. Well, and maybe this, maybe this is like a jumping off point to the, the non just Aaron Rodney gossip portion of the episode. But I, I think there's something really clever about re-entry from a break, particularly a long break, being strategic and not operational and tactical. Yes. Because you've had all this space for your brain to like wander and recuperate and think big thoughts and think no thoughts. And then to come back and just like do TPS reports feels like such a waste of that energy when you could come back and like look at the big picture. Totally. So to that point, I had a session with Gareth, our coach, by myself for this reason. Ah. Because on like the Monday when I came back, it was really interesting. So unlike Aaron, I have taken many breaks in the last 10 years. And I've taken, you know, when I was like doing my own thing as a consultant, I would finish a big project and then take like a quarter off. And like when I left... Deutsche Bank, I took a year off. When I left MG, I took six months off. Like I, 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 even at the ready, when we had network membership, I would finish something and take like three months off. My point in all of this is usually if I take two weeks, which is my like sort of standard vacation, there's a ton of stuff that just waits for me right. to come back. Taking a month off, everything just kept moving. Well, <laughs> like people didn't wait for me, which is great. Yeah. And on Monday I came back and as I was catching up on Slack and I was like thinking about what I was going to dig into, I was like, hold up. I have an opportunity right now to actually recraft my very existence. Yes. I'm going to take this opportunity and not fuck it up and just like not just stand on the beach and let the wave come. I'm going to like not do that. I'm going to get in the light. Get out there with a bat. Ocean. And I'm going to be like, where am I going to (laughs) surf? And so I did a session with Gareth to literally talk about what about my job in July? I hated what I actually want to be doing. I have to make space anyway, because you and I are starting a new project. And it was very clarifying. And also when we got on the phone, he was like, you sound relaxed. Like, did you take a Valium today? <laughs> and I was like, no, I just am rested. And he was right. like, are you like this sometimes? Right, right. Because this I is not wild. know you. <laughs> so I think to your point, if you, if you make space for real, for real, I think the worst, most jarring way of taking breaks is like 
you know, flipping it off like Cold a turkey. switch and then flailing about, which most of us do when we go on vacation. And then just trying to like flip it back on and just enjoy the like deluge that yeah. comes at you, which is depressing and also just makes me like not want to take breaks. So um, I think using it as like a really paying attention to the fact that there are these transitions. And when you are on a break, you are transitioning to a different like part of your identity right. and to something that generally is more internally focused if you're doing it like you and I both did it. And then not just being like, okay, well, that part's done now. I'm going to just <laughs> dive back in. And instead being really thoughtful about what you let back in. Yeah, because it is. I mean, it's cyclical if you're doing it right and taking breaks regularly. And in theory, those cycles can be, to your point, like cycles of rebirth and reinvention. Um, yeah. They don't just have to be like pauses on the movie. Exactly. Of the same shit that's happening to you. So I definitely yeah. feel that way. Oh, um, wait, I just thought of something. This is yeah. a mental model that we're okay. going to have now. Because okay. that's really smart what you just said. Thank you. I think that we think of, to, I think the common way of thinking of vacation or breaks is just pausing the movie and then the movie restarts. Right. And instead, I like the idea of it being like a liminal space in between yes. where you left something Chapters. and then you're in this space where something else happened yeah. and then it's a new thing <laughs> when you come back that does not need to look exactly like the old thing. I love that. Yes. I love that very much. Okay. Okay. That's good. That's good. I want to hear about how you think about breaks because we have very different ideas about this generally. Yeah. And in a self-managing system, whether you're doing internal roles or you're doing client work, it looks different than how it looks in a traditional system where you're like, I, I used to have to like, you know, put my vacation requests into yeah. a system like at the beginning yeah. of the year, basically, for the year. And then just call in sick a bunch because I didn't feel like working. You know? <laughs> so, it, but in, in, in a system like ours, how do you generally think about when it's time? Mm. And then well, also for you, how do you talk yourself out of doing it anyway? Even right, I was going to say, I'm like the worst person to advise on this. So I know, I, that's, that's why I asked you. Yeah, I think, I mean, I have good theory. So I would say like the, the thing that is unique about what we do at The Ready in particular is that it is, it is particularly draining work. I mean, there, there are certain kinds of jobs where like you can stay pretty even keel sustainable for a long time because of the nature of the job. There are other jobs that are just completely soul crushing. So I'm not trying to paint the picture that the ready working at the ready is, is as hard as like working at a McDonald's. But, but I think that there, there is the reality that like you're doing a lot of emotional labor and cognitive labor, like pretty much eight hours a day. You're in, you're in that meeting that most people need a break after that, that they go to like once a quarter when they go to their strategy meeting or their offsite. And they're like, Oh, it was so tiring. Ready people are in that every day. Like that's their that's meeting the almost every day. That's the gig. So so I do think that it's, um, I guess what I'm trying to argue here is that it is kind of critical to, to the health of our business and our people to have a, an approach to taking breaks that works well. Mm -hmm. Because that, that recuperation is what allows you to do this kind of work professionally for a long period of time. Otherwise, eventually you're like, I think I'm going to go client side, yeah. <laughs> do something else yeah. or what have you. the so, pace is different. Yeah, exactly. Different. Exactly. And yeah. I think part of that is like it attracts a certain kind of person that has that stamina and has that interest and, and you know, gets off on, on the intensity. But part of it is just the reality of being, you know, human, a human body and you need that recuperation. So that's the first thing I would say. 
I think that there's like what's good for the goose and then how what's good for the gander. And so I think for the individual, figuring out an actual rhythm, I don't think it necessarily has to be pre-planned down to the day, but I think having some kind of a rhythm or an expectation of a rhythm like the cycles we just talked about is probably a good thing. So that you have, maybe it is like once a year you have a long break and then once a quarter you have a short break or whatever it is that works for you. I think you know your own, you know your own energy is, is actually really ideal because then it becomes this thing that is normal and expected both for you and your colleagues and your family. And you can actually get good at, you can't really get good at anything you don't practice, right? So if you, you know, have a way of doing it, I think that can be really beneficial. And I think that in a self-managing system, it's, it's funny because my, my perception from the outside looking in is that people are like, how do you even take breaks if there's no one to like report your vacation to? And how do you decide when you can take a break when everyone's counting on you? And what I find is that having the level of role clarity and op rhythm clarity that we have in our business makes that a lot simpler. Mm-hmm. Where it's actually like anyone in theory I saw could sort of like punch out at any time and be like, here's the five roles I hold. Here's yeah. the three meetings I go to every week. These are the projects I have that are transparently available in Notion. Like the rest of the system can figure out what to do with that stuff really quickly and really easily because it's so clear. And I feel like in a lot of traditional systems, while the application for vacation and how many weeks you have is really clear, what to do when that person's gone is much less clear and or much less clear and and frankly, like falls on people that don't ask for it to fall on them often. Mm -hmm. Where it's like, oh, the boss notices that. Sarah is gone. And so they put all that work on Phyllis without really Mm -hmm. asking if that's, if there's room or whatnot. So I I think that, yeah, I think that it like is actually a little bit easier to figure out what needs to happen. But as, as for the actually doing it part, I'm still, still working that out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I, I would just add to that a couple of things. One is, especially for people who are very enmeshed with their work and Mm -hmm. very motivated by their work and, you know, passionate about their work. I think it can be important. I I think it can be easy to overlook the importance of breaks, not even for your own benefit, but for the benefit of the system. Mm. And I thought a lot about this with client work because that's what I've done for the majority of my career. And in any place where you show up every day and like make the donuts, at some point, people just get used to there being donuts. Right, exactly. And whether you're talking about client work or whether I'm talking about work inside the ready, there's a lot of value in there being pauses to see what happens. Yeah, the resiliency and, you know, play. Exactly. I've had a lot of moments with clients where I've said like, look, we, you know, you and I, you client and I think that you all are ready to stand on your own mm-hmm. and for me to move on to this other thing. How about we pause for this month Yep, and see? Yep. And see how it goes. And, and, and we don't have to panic because I'm going to be back in September and we'll either move on to this next thing or we'll come back and shore up the cracks in the foundation. Yep. But we're never going to know unless I actually peace out. And, yep. and I feel like the same is true in terms of internal stuff where there's so much work that gets held but is not seen or is not explicit. And one of the big realizations that I had when I was on my break is like, I just, I'm like plugging a lot of holes that I should just let break. Yep. 
Yep. And and it's re it's much harder to just willfully do that when you have your hands on. Oh, things you almost can't. When like, you're gone. Yeah, you're like watching a glass fall on the floor. Yeah, you're, you're like, like gonna I catch don't it. Know how to catch it. Yeah. <laughs> and and then and then when I'm gone, I'm like, you know what? Like as I you know as I'm coming back and I'm seeing these meeting requests and whatever, I'm like, I'm not going to that anymore. Right. I'm gonna get rid of this project now. I'm gonna like reverse I'm gonna moonwalk myself out of this sale etc because not because I don't want to do it but because it doesn't need to be me right there are other people who have more capacity and also want to learn those things that I don't necessarily need to learn as much anymore right and those things just fill up the plate so that there's not room for the things that I do want to be doing like yeah launching a new product or writing a book or um, there's, I mean, there's a long list of other things that are easy to ignore because I'm trying to figure out, you know, comp at the ready. Right. The so, newness, the newness I'm never gets love if you're just that's catching right. plates, right? Like that's, that's, right. that's the bottom line. And I think in some ways what you're describing is the broader entrepreneurial dilemma, or at least in self-management, which is like the goal in theory is to build a system that doesn't need you. Yes. The practical experience of that are a lot of questions about ego, value, and how do I get paid or what am I getting paid for? And so I think it's it's a weird like tension between the stated desire to build a self-managing system that doesn't need you and the lived desire to be useful and to be compensated and to be like fair and all those things. And I find that I find that actually quite consternating. Hmm. Um, what do you, you find know, consternating about it? Well, I think it's it's the balance between like building something that doesn't need you so you can do nothing versus building something that doesn't need you so you can do something else. And in all those transitions, there's just a lot of uncertainty. Mm. There's a lot of like lack of clarity about who are you, what are you, what are you doing, who is it for, how does everyone feel about that? Cuz you end up you end up being a moving target in a system that wants you to be more still that wants like That's relationships with you and wants you to be like, you know, there present in whatever yeah. it is you're currently doing. That's interesting. You know? I mean, I do know and on the other hand, the <laughs> two options being Oh yeah. shore it up so you can do nothing or shore it up so you can do something else. Like to to me, coming off of a month of vacation, the most important part of being away is is like having my full intact identity not related to work. Yeah. And being like, it actually doesn't matter if I do something else or do nothing or right. do what I did before because like I'm this whole person that has nothing to do with my job. Right. And so I I'm only saying that out loud because I don't I don't feel I don't feel jammed up in that way. Uh-huh. I feel like if I can shore up the foundation, then I just have like the luxury of choice. Yeah, totally. And I'm not saying I have a huge identity crisis about it either. I I'm actually decent at doing other stuff, but it's but it's more the social dynamics of of when you're in a system and you're moving from one role to another or from having a lot of roles in one part to no roles in that part. There's mm. just always, there's always a little bit of like dynamic social tension. Cause mm. like I guarantee the meeting that you're saying no to, there are people in the meeting that are like, ah, oh, 
Sure. You know, like I would would love to spend more time with Rodney, but I'm not going to get to now. Sure. Because Rodney's doing this other project, right? And so like that that there's just always a kind of a a tail effect of where you've been and where you're going in these systems. And I think it's it's a good thing. It's a healthy thing, but it's just like it creates a little a little tension to it. It's not as easy as just like don't show up or pick up and move on. And at the same time, the funny like kind of other side of that coin is the ego death of how not necessary you are. <laughs> like when you when you that do go break. away for a period of time and things don't fully break, yeah. it's like, oh yeah, things could go on. Yeah. And and I think sometimes and me particularly because I'm such a like perfectionist about certain things, I feel like that you know, holding things to a standard is somehow integral to their going on. And it's not, Mm. you know, they like, it'll, it'll go on however it is. And it's fine. It's such a, it's such a funny part of our personalities and how different they are because my, like my over, my general over responsibility in this life and being too conscientious in general to a point that I burn out (laughs) When I when I come back and I see that things have been caught or progressed or held, I'm incredibly relieved. Yeah. There's no part of my ego that is bothered by that. Right. It's like, oh, okay. Everything, all of the torture that you mm-hmm. were imposing on yourself. It's unnecessary. Was un- un- unnecessary. <laughs> Calm the fuck down. Everything's fine. Yeah. And for my limbic system, that is like, that is like a warm bath. Uh, totally. I, I appreciate that that is not that is not the same for everyone. But for me, it's just like somebody taking like a really heavy backpack off of me and being like, see, we can carry this up the hill. And I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. Yeah, yeah. And I, I have a lot of that too, actually. I mean, I really, I really enjoy watching a system succeed without my input. At the same time, there is there's definitely this recognition that like your way is not the only way. Mm. And and a big part of my professional identity in the earlier part of my career has been like, I think I know the best way to do something. Mm. And so like, or I have a standard in my head of what good looks like. And then I'm mm-hmm. disappointed when the world doesn't work that way. I mean, you know, take me to a Burger King and watch me be miserable. You know, sure. like I just, everything about it is bad. And it could be done so much better. But the reality is like it makes billions of dollars every year without doing it better. Yeah, Burger And King's so fine. like I can pretty much fuck off. Right. <laughs> and I think that's that's the thing that I deal with. It's not so sure. much like an ego death or like not being needed, because I am really excited that, that yeah. you know, I'm not needed, but that there are many, many ways to have something work and that like, yeah, a complex system has so many different avenues towards wellness. Yeah, that that's more challenging to me, and and in a good way, I think, in a healthy way. It's so interesting because my hang-up is because I don't want to I don't want to paint the picture here like I have no hang-up in this <laughs> equation because it's not true. I just don't have that hang-up. My hang-up is much more like if I create the space, do I know what to do with it? Right. And it's right. much more like I have lots of ideas, and often I am busy which is my own fault. And so as I see things moving and I see avenues to having, you know, a third of my time available, I'm like, ooh, okay. Like, do I, do I know what I want to do with that time? Do I have the, do I have a good idea that is exciting and visionary? Yeah. And I 
have lots of ideas. And also I rarely have that time. So it's like, I have sort of the opposite. I sort of have the opposite problem. I was going to say, yeah, that's the front half and the back half problem. My problem is like, I know exactly what to do next, but I'm worried about letting go because will it manifest the way I imagine it? Right. And can I let it go and let it be a different thing than what I imagined? And that is like all the pain and all the easiness is in the front half. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's probably why we're here. I guess so. That makes Um, sense. I do want to talk a little bit about like, I think of vacations or breaks as their own way of working. Yeah. And I don't feel like in work life and work design in the world, that's enough of a part of a conversation. The vacation OS. Yeah. There's no OS of vacation, you know? Mm. And I thought a lot about that because I had time and I wasn't traveling and I wasn't around people all the time. And so I'm curious. I'm curious if you have reflections on what are the what are the ways of vacationing that make vacation be what vacation can be? I love this question and this line of thinking quite a bit. Um, the first thing I would say is I think as a culture, you know, that's different in every la- in every country how we talk about these things and what words we use. But in the U.S. at least, when we say vacation. I think most people imagine getting on an airplane with their family and going somewhere and doing something. Yep. And I would say on balance as someone that has done that a fair bit, that is not what this is about. Yeah. That is actually quite stressful, quite taxing, quite depleting. You're making memories for sure. It's a wonderful thing, but like getting on a plane with two eight and nine year olds and going to Singapore for 10 days is not, is not like the restorative, restorative. social, <laughs> you know, soulful journey that you need. Like that is going to be a rigmarole. Yeah. So, so I think that we should separate the like family vacay to a place, which is about being with your family from taking a break, which mm-hmm. I think is what you and I are both trying to do in this moment. Mm-hmm. And, and I have lots of parent friends who are like, that's a trip. That's right. That's not a vacation. That's not a vacation. Yeah. And I would just say like, let's just leave that word off. Yeah, a break is a break is a different thing, and I think, frankly, very rarely done and done well. I mean, if you if you were to like go to an average person in the workforce and be like, "When's the last time you took like a week and did nothing but just Mm -hmm. think and stare and learn to swim?" I I think the answers would be surprisingly not great. Mm -hmm. So so that's the first thing. The second thing I would say is, in terms of an OS, I think just like the work OS, you have to clarify like. What are your principles? Yeah. What are what are the habits and norms and like what's the pattern of this break? So like, are you going to stay up late and be exhausted in the morning? Are you going to eat right or not eat right? Are you going to focus on a particular thing that you're trying to do? Are you going to try to be a vegetable? Like, what is the what's the goal and what are the associated patterns that go with that? I don't know quite how to turn that into a prescription for someone because it feels like maybe everyone's a little different in what they need. But for me, it felt really important coming into this to be like, there are two chapters to this 10-day break. The first chapter is about family. The second chapter is about me. I'm going to eat like shit in the first half and eat like an athlete in the second half. Like everything being very clear and being clear with everyone else around you, almost in the style of agreements. Like multiple Mm -hmm. times, Britt is like, what are you going to do? And I was like, whatever I want, nothing for anyone else. Like I'm not here for anybody else's obligations. So if you ask, the answer might be yes, it might be no, but it's going to be literally what I want. Mm -hmm. So, and that felt, that felt indulgent even to say, Mm -hmm. but it creates the clarity, I guess, for having like an OS that's trying to do something, Mm -hmm. which in this case was like, get me off the exhaustion hill. Yeah. Yeah. 
I don't know. What do you think? This is your idea. So where are you at on it? Um, I mean, I have lots of thoughts about it. So one thing is just to go to your first point about like what the typical vacation looks like in America, because obviously in, in the rest of the world, there are much more holistic and evolved views on this than we have because work is a part of life, not the other way around. But in America, I feel like vacation often falls to your point about like going to a place and doing a bunch of things and and like making memories, you know? It, I, I do think there's a lot of signal to us in general that is like quite productivity oriented and quite scarcity oriented, make the most. capitalism oriented, which is make the most of this resource. You have one, you have, you know, you have one week. Don't sleep on it. You know, sleep when you're dead, like nap under your desk, but like, you know, go climb the Eiffel Tower or whatever. And, and I just, I do feel like that's a fundamentally flawed notion. And it took me a really long time to, to, it probably was when Ed and I, traveled for a full year to just get in the mindset of like, no one is keeping score on my vacation. Like I'm not going to come back. Don't, first of all, no one wants to hear about your vacation. So who cares? Second of all, no one is going to be like, how much did you see when you were in Kuala Lumpur? No one cares. (laughs) It doesn't matter. So it's, so I, at some point I got to, I got, I shifted the mindset to be more aligned to what I wanted to do and see. And sometimes that was, you know, sit on a bench and people watch in a big city for four hours in the afternoon while I drank a Thai iced coffee. And sometimes that was, you know, to climb a mountain. And and I think that getting into the mindset of following your intuition and tuning into what you actually feel like doing is is really not that easy to do. That's like a big lift, even for most of us who are highly scheduled and pretty busy and have very full lives. Most of us don't have a lot of time in our day where we pay attention to what we feel like we want to do. And and vacation just falls into the same trap. And I would argue, you know, you said people don't care and I would agree, but I think they will ask. And so there's this constant social pressure. Like if you do go to Paris, people will be like, did you see the Lac de Triomphe? Did you go to the to catacombs? Did you go up to the top of the Eiffel Tower? Like, did you go to this restaurant? Because they are keeping score for you on these great experiences they want you to have because they care Maybe. about you. And it's like they, at the end of the day, that is not, that's not a break. That's not it's a not. recuperative activity. That is a scavenger hunt through Paris where you're trying to check all the things off your list. Britt and I have talked about this before, but I have decided like there are two kinds of trip. There's a trip where you schedule things and book things and a trip mm. where you don't. Mm. And if you're scheduling and booking shit, that is not a break. Mm. You're just like, well, I ske- first I scheduled the, the massages for us at nine. And then after that, we're going to go to lunch at this place. And after that, we're going to go get this tour. That's not a break. That's just more work. See, here's what's funny. This is where me being really varsity vacationer is going to show up and I'm going to teach you about this, is anything can be a break. It just depends on what you need. Right. So having a highly scheduled vacation, if you are a person who needs a lot of stimulation and you are doing it because you truly have the appetite to see all of those things, might be incredibly restorative. Because maybe you've been, 
you know, sitting at your parents' bedside for the last six months and you haven't gotten to leave a room and all you want in totally. this life yeah, yeah. is to see like the world. see three things in a day that blow your goddamn mind because you've just been watching like Guiding Light reruns for a year or something Absolutely, like that. Absolutely, yeah. So I think you, I think one must tune in. First of all, there's no universe in which doing things out of obligation is a break. So right. like on that right. tip, I totally agree with you. And I think the density... And type of break has, it can be anything as long as it's in response to what you are missing. Right. And I think that's, I like that you said that because to me, this is about polarities. Yeah. And so if the polarity is guiding light all day, yeah. then you're doing what I'm doing on my break. <laughs> like yeah. you're, you're already in that modality. Right. And so for you, like having a busy, crazy day, like I do most days when I'm on the road, is actually like the the missing piece. It might piece. be energizing. Right, yeah, that's the missing piece. So I, I do think you're right. I think it's like tune into what your day-to-day is like and then figure out what's the polarity of that. Like what's yes. the inverted version of that that's going to give you what you're missing? Yes. Um, so yeah, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. But the I guess antidote. for yeah, for people like me or people that are just, you know, that are kind of 100, 100 miles an hour at work to then go and be like, I'm going to do these 47 things while I'm in Hawaii for four days is just yeah. like, it's cool. It's fun. My ADD loves it. But I don't come back with big ideas. I come back needing a nap. Right. You come back tired. Yeah, and exactly. I, and I think that's that's the thing. And, and I also think that that's what makes a really good break not that easy to take. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, when I when I went out in August, so obviously I had plan I had planned for this break for a long time so that I could wind a bunch of things down and wrap a bunch of things up and be able to really like do it and turn off. And even so, I know my own mind well enough to know that it wasn't like the first Monday I was off, I was just going to be like, okay. Boom. Now I'm just going to, you know, talk to the trees and float in the water and my mind is going to be clear and empty. Like it, it, it takes off ramping from the busyness of my regular life to get into the mode that I know exists and that I wanted to get into. And I really had to make some scaffolding for myself. Yes. So like the first week, the first full week that I was gone, it was like, I partied the entire first weekend because I was just like, first I need to blow off some steam because I'm generally cranky and I have like bad energy. So let's just rage for 72 hours, which happened. And then I was like, I'm going to need, you know, I need a backpack for the first week. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not going to be able to go from where I was both burnt out and just also intensity wise to Zen Rodney, which is in there, but she takes a minute. And so the first week it was like, (gasps) I painted a table. I like landscaped our garden. I I had all it's the I had, house projects. I had people come up. My friend Holly came up to like do my first set of swimming lessons. Yes. And it was truly like I wore myself out every day <laughs> so that at like 9 p.m. I was exhausted and I and then I would sleep for like 10 hours. Amazing. Um, and 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 I only say that to say it's easier to stay in the mode that you're in. And just fill up, fill up your day the way that you were filling it up the week right. before when you were at work. Yeah. And if you're not conscious, then the whole the whole time can be like that. I so I know. just feel like being sort of aware, like I knew that what I was designing for ultimately was spaciousness and no plan 
and sort of floating through my day however I wanted to. And also, I couldn't just do that on Monday. Yeah. I think it's interesting that you said Zen because I think, I don't know what to call this, but there there is micro meditation, which is like in the moment, I'm going deeper into the quietness of my mind and like getting present with my breath. And there are stages to that that you can achieve with practice where you can get deeper and deeper into that state of mind. I think there might be something similar on a macro time scale of like a one month vacation mm. where like there are stages of depth that you can achieve. Uh, pr- particularly without distraction, possibly without technology, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Like you can actually get down deeper, not at a, not in a time scale of minutes, but in a time scale of days or weeks. And so I do think that that is interesting and maybe a way to look at the length of, of breaks as, as a guide for like where you're going to do. Cause if yeah. you're only getting five days, you're not going to get to like the week three mental state that you were in. Yeah. Um, and, which is the same thing that you're not going to get out of a month that you'd get out of a sabbatical. Yeah. Right. Like something that's just really long and really spacious, like you've done before. Right. So, so I, I, maybe there's just some kind of a mental model there for like what, what levels and, and what scaffolding you can put in place based on how much time you have to go where you're going. It's kind of the difference between like a five minute meditation and a, and a one hour meditation. And a retreat. Yeah. Yeah, Or yeah, like a weekend retreat. Right. Like you're going to have a totally different experience. Also, it's funny that you mentioned timescales. I am going to say that though I feel incredibly lucky and very privileged to be able to take a month off, it's the worst time scale. Interesting. Because when I have taken like a three month break, I get antsy. Right. And I'm ready to do something. And you know, that obviously everyone has heard me talk about like my existential crisis, vacation (laughs) crisis that always happens. And when I take a long break, you know, Ed sort of teases me because he'll kind of like look at his watch and be like, Oh, we're coming up on 90 days. You've, you ready? Because I just yeah. start to get really like, yeah. should I like d- take a wall down in the bathroom? And he's right. like, please go back to work. Right, right, right. <laughs> please don't do that. Like, yeah. you know, where I'm like, should I start no a nonprofit? And he's like, no, no, go get a new client. And get out of this house. <laughs> but and, you know, one or two weeks, it's just it's a pause button. Yep. A month is the worst of both worlds. Even I though it. I loved it and I had a perfect month. Yeah. I cannot. Get I cannot get, find my motivation. I'm in week two of being back, and truly, I'm just like, Ugh, I don't want to do anything because I was so in it. I was like in the best, deepest, happiest, most relaxed version of myself. Right, and then you got woken up, and I got woken up, and I'm so sleepy. <sighs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, you know more than anyone probably in the world. I'm a huge believer in time scales being optimized for the right thing you're doing. And that's why we run on trimesters at the ready and murmur instead of quarters. I I think it's very conceivable that one month is a terrible time frame. (laughs) Like, you know, it's too long, too long to be a short one and too short to be a long one. So we got to do something about that. Uh, Yeah. I mean, um, I'm going to do it again. No question. It's definitely still better than alternatives, but it's hard. I, I cannot truly remember a time in my life that I have struggled as much to return to work as this time. Yeah, well, that's that's part of your core loop. <laughs> it's, part of, it's, you know, part of learning. Okay, the last thing that we really want to hit is technology slash maybe any other normal routines or habits or stimuli that you have in your life and how your relationship to those things changes when you're on a mm-hmm. break or should change maybe. Yeah. 
Well, I think generally speaking, technology is a dopamine machine. And so if you're trying to get to some deeper level of anything like interactive technology, particularly social media, computing, et cetera, like those things are, are going to probably, I think, get in the way of, of getting where you need to get to. So we've done some interesting things in our household lately that kind of coincide with this break, but don't, but don't stick directly into it. One of them is that we created a new agreement in Murmur as a family, which is that we don't use technology on Sundays from sunup to sundown. Mm-hmm. And it has been a wild experience, like completely wild. Because my son is nine. He's obviously very heavily using tech day to day, moment to moment. And then to go cold turkey like that on Sunday, the first day we were all apoplectic and just like completely (laughs) fucked up and didn't know what to do with ourselves and were irritable and what have you. The second Sunday, everybody came ready, sort of like Mm. your first week of break. Everybody Mm -hmm. was like, I'm going to paint the deck. I'm going to cut my toenails. Like everyone had a plan. Yeah. And of like a few things to do to to bide the time. And and it was um it was really much, much better. And by the third Sunday, it was like people were actually looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like this is this like quiet, long respite from the intensity of the web. And it makes the day feel 28 hours long. It does. Like you're yeah. just like, I can do anything in the sun up to sundown period on Sunday. So so I think that has been that has been like a very educational thing for all of us. In the midst of that, in my actual vacation here, what I've tried to do is pay more attention to like what is actually serving me. And so I have done virtually no email, virtually no Slack. Like I'm, I check maybe like two minutes a day or something like really mm-hmm. light. I'd love to do none, but I'm not quite that evolved yet. But I, you know, I just sort of poke in there once in a while, but, but not really doing any interacting. And, and then when it comes to like watching TV or playing games or things like that, I'm doing it, but I'm like listening. Mm. And what's interesting is I'm doing a lot less of it than I want to do when I'm working. Mm-hmm. So when I'm working, I'm like, yeah. I could play eight hours of this game. And in actuality, I do about 30 minutes now. And I'm like, I'm going to go for a walk. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to go do something else. And it's not that the 30 minutes isn't satisfying, but it isn't the thing. Mm-hmm. And I think it kind of makes the day just disappear instead of like restore. So I, my sense is like having clarity about your tech strategy before you go into a break is really important. Mm-hmm. And I would, and I would say to the extent that you can either, either narrow the scope of what you're using or eliminate, it's probably for the best. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. What did you do with tech when you were laking? So the Monday, the first Monday of my vacation, actually maybe Friday night before I mm-hmm. went on a bender, I um, took Slack off my phone. Whoa. I took Twitter yeah. off my phone. Aggro. And I don't really get any other notifications. Mm-hmm. And for me, email is not stressful because I don't get any interesting right. work email really. I did the week before tell like five people at the ready and one client to text me if they needed anything. Yeah, yeah. And then that like calmed me down enough to not feel like I needed to check needed because to check. I yeah, knew that knew. like I would hear and and I and I really said like don't hesitate, it's totally fine if you need something. Like I and I said very clearly, I was like it will be more relaxing for me to know that you're going to text me yeah. than to feel like I should check in. 
Um, and people did and, but, but it was light and it was not a big deal. And it was, it was really things where people were like, could you just tell me X? And it was no problem. Um, (laughs) and it really allowed me, I did not open Slack until for a full month Nice until the Monday back. So that was pretty, pretty good. The other thing I'm, I'm generally not much of like a phone scrolling person. I just get bored. It's just not, it's not really for me. What I did notice, though, is that I had very different appetites, probably similar to you, where as my as my break progressed and I felt like I had more and more attention mm-hmm. and I was I was, you know, when I left, I felt like my brain was shattered a little bit. And so I wasn't I wasn't calm and I wasn't taking information in and I was really reactive. And as my brain kind of healed and I had more attention, I found short form things really annoying. Mm-hmm. So I stopped listening to podcasts, watching TV or reading magazines. And I pretty much only like, I watched like a movie when I was alone during the week, yeah. like one movie every night, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. I watched like good movies yeah. and I read 1 million books and that was it. That was pretty much my content diet. Yep. The other thing that I got super into, which is so nerdy, but truly I have the heart of an 85 year old woman was audiobooks because what I noticed was as much as I love reading, I'm, you know, I'm in this incredibly beautiful place. And what I want to be doing is looking at it with right. my eyes. And and instead I sort of have my face buried in a book at all times. So I spent a lot of time like sitting on the dock listening to an audiobook or yes. sitting on the boat listening to an audiobook or, you know, throwing the ball for the dogs, listening to an or put I spent one entire rainy day for like eight hours putting a jigsaw puzzle together while I listened <laughs> to an audiobook. And that just seemed to be a better, more calming yeah. way for me to interact with technology than like more bite-sized things. I get more mad when a book doesn't have an audiobook version than I should. Really? Like, yeah, it gets me real mad. That's so funny. Because I That's feel really the same funny. way. Like, I, I basically don't read with my eyes anymore. What um, was funny was when I went out, I was having a really hard time reading. Like, I was finding that I wasn't paying it. I wasn't, what's the word? Like, I wasn't getting in. What's the word I'm looking for? Comprehending? Yeah. It was like I would read pages and then be like, I don't I wasn't paying attention to that. I have to read those pages. Yeah, again. yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I was not really I was not really present. So yeah, so that was a that was a big shift. And I think now I will also notice more that when I am just refreshing Instagram or listening to 10 minutes of 16 podcasts or flipping through magazines, it might be a sign that my attention is it's afraid. Yeah. And needs some repair. Well, and in fact, the tech is doing that to you. Yeah. Like it's literally, it's driving you towards that inevitable conclusion. Yeah. So I guess the punchline of this episode is take a break, everybody. Take a break if you can. Delete this episode. Yeah. Find a way to take a break if you can. And if you can't, then, you know, we feel you. And I've certainly been there. And then also when you do, don't worry about people asking you about the Eiffel Tower. Mm -hmm. Feel free to do nothing if you want to do nothing. Yeah. That's a, rest is a valid way of being. It's a little known secret that doing nothing is actually better than the Eiffel Tower. I know, it really is. <laughs> it really if you can is. really sink in. If you can really sink in. And, and, and not to be the corniest human on earth, but 
having that kind of presence and space, I just found that there were moments that were really sweet that in July I wouldn't have noticed. You mm-hmm. know, when like Hollis's kid is like shaking me down for the 13th story of the night when she's supposed to be sleeping. And I'm just like, this is nice. She's, you know, she's at an age yeah. like we're not going to do this for that many more years. So right. The fact that right now she's at an age where she wants me to tell her stories about Hollis and I in high school when she's supposed to be in bed. Like there was a time, there was a time not that long ago when I would have been like, Dave, let's move on bed. Like I gotta, we gotta wrap this up. And instead I was just like, nah, fuck it. Let's tell her about the time that we, you know, stole a milk truck. Stories over Slack messages occasionally. (laughs) Right. And then, and then when you're done telling stories, it'll always be there for you. Exactly. All right. Let's draw things to a close there then. Okay. If you all like what you're hearing, please leave us a review. Let us know if you like episodes about nothing. I don't know. It's our first one ever. Maybe there'll be another one. (laughs) Some of the first ones that you never heard were a lot like this too. Um, (laughs) A quick tip of the hat to Taylor Marvin for making us sound good. Brave New Work is produced by The Ready, where we help organizations around the world change the way they work, pause the way they work, and get back to work. You can get in touch with us by emailing podcast at theready.com. And as for you, thanks for listening. Now go change something or do nothing.